Hey y'all, it's Io here from Noodle Nook, and I am so excited today to be sitting down with a phenomenal first year teacher. Well, it's his second year now, but he's got some great tips and tricks for us on how you can survive your first year, even in a pandemic. So without further ado. Mr. Steve, how are you? I am wonderful, thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you're here, legit, like, so excited. Um, you are what I consider to be like a natural teacher. You are, well, a natural, like you, it's just, it comes very, maybe not easy to you, but you make it look easy. So I'm excited to have you here to kind of speak to some other people who <laughs> are trying to make it through their first or second year as a SPED teacher. Definitely. I, I appreciate you having me. Um, thanks for the kind words. It's it's definitely more of, of, you know, being a duck on the water where everything's cool on top and feet are paddling like crazy. But, you know, we're, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it gets kind of um, crazy at times. But, you know, definitely as long as you have a cool head, we're, we're good. But I appreciate the words. Yeah, I love the analogy of a duck on water because I feel like that is all of teaching all of the time. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you and your educational journey so far. So I went to undergrad for physical education um, in California and kind of just was in limbo for a few years and, um, and then decided when we moved to Texas, I said I wanted to get into teaching and um, I took the alternative certification route, um, just finished that, and uh, just got my master's degree in, in special education as well. So um, it's it's been a journey since I got my undergrad, but you know now that everything's all sorted and, and done, you know, um, yeah, it was it was definitely a, a long and winding road for sure. It was, and it was very interesting because when I first met you, you were a paraeducator in a special ed classroom and also getting your master's, which is kind of a weird combination. So it was it was interesting as a thought to anyone else out there who's a classroom teacher, like you never know what the ambitions are or the education level is of the people that are supporting you in the classroom. So always come at them uh, with presumed competence for the adults and the students. So you. You did kind of take a winding road to get there. Have you always known you wanted to be a teacher or? Yes and no, I, I coach. Um, I, I've had a long stint of coaching um, soccer and I played soccer throughout college um, and I dabbled with it in the beyond realms of, of um, the professional status. But um, I always knew I wanted to coach. Um, also, you know, with coaching, you're teaching, right? So. Um, my, my father is a teacher, my sister is a teacher, like it, it was in the blood and, and we, uh, you know, I just fell into it and just helping, helping students out is, is definitely something that, um, that I strive to, to want to do. Yeah. And I think if you always come to teaching with, uh, the heart of being a person who supports kids as they go through their journey, like you'll, you'll always do well. So when you were getting ready to start in a special ed classroom, what did you think was going to be the hardest part? I would say just getting to know the students and how to interact with the students. Because I had, I had very minimal experience with, with uh, our population of students. And, you know, my, my dad was a, a, a VI teacher, so he worked with visually impaired students. And so I had an idea of how to work with, you know, special education students. But you know, there's that, that big gap of, of dealing with students 
that are typically developing. And then there's our special education students that, that we're almost afraid to communicate to them because we don't know we're stepping into that unknown of, of how do I communicate? How do I deal with this student? And I think that was my biggest fear was how am I going to relate to these students when I thought that they couldn't be relatable to Absolutely. And then, then you step in and you're like, just a normal, just a regular kid, right? Totally. <laughs> they really are just regular kids. <laughs> well, so when you actually got in the classroom, what ended up being the actual hardest part of being a first year teacher? I would say, I would say just getting the, all the documentation sorted and, and figuring out paperwork upon paperwork and, and, and finding what curriculum will work for each student, the differentiation of, of how that's all going to sort. But, you know, and it's so funny that you say that because I remember when I was in the, the infancy of my teaching career, I had a friend who asked me if they should be a teacher, um, if they should be a SPED teacher and what it was going to be like. And they were most concerned about the relationships. And what I had to tell them too was like, listen, your entire first year, you were just drowning by paperwork. There is no other way to define the job than managing documentation, yeah. <laughs> especially that first year when you're trying to figure out a good system to do that. It kind of sounds like you feel the same way. Yeah. Um, once, yeah once you find the system of, of utilizing your paras and, and just kind of finding where your head is above water uh, at that point, it's, it's okay. As long as, again, you find that system, it's, it's, this is how I'm taking data. This is where the data is going to be. This is when I need to have my stuff done by. Um, I think that's when, that's when it'll, it'll become a little more smooth for that first year teacher to kind of deal with. Totally. Well, so out of curiosity, what system for paperwork did you put in place that was most helpful to you? I mean, did you um, find that taking data electronically or in a clipboard format or in a binder format was best for you? And then how did you go about prepping for your IEPs and keeping on top of that part of it? I first started my data um, documentation by clipboard. And I found that it, it on visually it looked really nice because I had this kid's this, this, and this based on whatever. But then as I'm going through it and writing everything down, it's you have six different clipboards <laughs> and you have no idea where anything is. So then we changed everything up into a folder format. So each student had their own folder. So then you know, okay, I have these six students in this class. And now I can pull those when they're at my station. I can pull those three students and then, boom, take their data. And then my para could, could do it if I had you know, them doing it. Um, so I think that the folder format worked better for, for me, um, even though the visual aesthetic of having nice, pretty clipboards and, and things were... Um, so, yeah. yeah, being being Pinterest perfect is not necessarily the most functional way to actually get things done in a classroom, but it, it looks so pretty. <laughs> well, so it, I, I heard two things there. You, you ended up going with a folder model, partially because you were set up in station rotation. Did the station rotation help you to stay organized as well? Yes, it did. Um, you know, going through, going through and having, you know, 
three to, to four max students at, at a rotation is so much easier for you to take data, so much easier for you to deal with behavior because it's you and those students. It's not you and the whole class at that point. And you know, you, then you utilize your paraprofessional and say, okay, well, we're dealing, I'm doing this station, doing that station. And then if you have another one, awesome. If not, then, you know, that's their independent station where they can work on their social skills and work through different problems and, you know, and, and everything else under the sun there. But in, in regards to just making things easier for yourself, absolutely. Just find a, find a system in our station rotation and stick to it. And of course the students love routine. So once they get the routine, they're the, the wheel moves itself. Isn't it crazy? I, I know the first couple of years that I taught, I did not do a station rotation type model. And when I did actually start, the difference in, in management and engagement and just functionality and, and like independence of the classroom, like my class would run without me. And it was <laughs> like, I feel like that's how you know you've, you're a good teacher. Your classroom runs without you. And it was amazing. So. As a side tip to anybody who's listening or watching, if you are not doing station rotations yet, commit. Just just do them. <laughs> so, Mr. Steve, uh, when we talk about going through the IEP process, how did you keep yourself organized with IEPs and IEP paperwork? I, I had my own little manila folder, and I had, so if I knew the students was coming up, I actually had a, a calendar that, the district gave us and I just wrote every, everybody's down. I knew that when the general IEP was going to be and I wrote it down and in the notes I said, okay, potential within this week, it's going to be here. So then I got their documents up and, and their, their surveys and, and everything. Uh, and I put them in a manila folder as they were coming up within that, you know, two weeks or three weeks, whatever it was. So then I knew this is what I need to go into the staffing, to go into, uh, to be able to send home to mom and dad and just keeping everything collected in that little area was a lifesaver for me just because otherwise you're, you're looking everywhere. Like, where did I put this? Where did I put, you know, the brigands and all, you know, all of these different, these things. So keep them everything together and you will save so much time looking and you will save so many headaches from happening because yeah. you have them in one spot. Absolutely, and that part that you mentioned too of having it marked on your calendar, the approximate date, really lets you not get side swiped by an IEP meeting being scheduled where it feels like it's out of the blue and you're not, totally not ready. So I love that that calendar piece is so so important just to keep yourself organized and prepared. So yeah, some good tips right there. So your first year was, what's the nice way to say it? Um, a little different than a normal year in that we had closures and a transition to teaching online. <laughs> how has that been? Wow. <laughs> it feels like a silly question to even ask, but how's that working for you? How's that going? You know, it was, it, it was definitely different. You know, the, the, the first, the first, half to three quarters of the year where okay things are going smooth and and then obviously the proverbial everything hits the fan and um you know it just it was difficult because you have to 
hit a curveball um, that nobody saw coming, and now you're sitting at home. If you have kids teaching your kids, but also teaching your students on a system that you don't really use in in Sped, right? You know, you don't you don't really have full on online stuff, and it was it was a challenge. Uh, thankfully, we had a, a good majority of our students be able to get onto Zooms and 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 meetings so they can access the the, the curriculum, which was great. But it was still it, it was still tough conducting those those meetings online, you know, via Zoom or via whatever, and have them focus and continue to stay focused on what our lesson was going to be. So, I mean, it was just, it was a change in, change in scenery and it was a transition that, that nobody really saw coming. And, and I think as a collective, we, we did well with it. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no way to prep for that kind of transition. Like there's no, there's no way for you to pivot that steep, <laughs> steeply without any kind of training or prep. I mean, that was, that was almost an impossible situation. And kudos to every teacher out there who survived <laughs> the school year and still showed up every day to do the best that they could with their students. So if you had to give a couple of key tips here for a first year teacher who doesn't have to try to survive a pandemic, what would you advise a new teacher to, um, to maybe make sure that they do or tips that they should try so that they can survive and thrive that first year? I would, um, I would I <laughs> big question. Yeah, um, I, I would say just work to stay organized. Stay organized and get organized as best as you can from the start. You have you know your your potential IEPs and 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 when they would be. Get to know your students, and that's uh on a level where you can help relate to them because then now their goals become easierly, easier to achieve for them because you're working with them on their level and you can help relate to them by using those little snips or a student that loves, uh, you know, uh, Pokemon. Pokemon. Thank you. Um, you know, so then you can relate all to that and, and, so relate to the students, have a schedule, and have a, an organization system. Most of all, have that rotation system and get them on a schedule. Because if, if you're still fighting with them in, in March on not having a schedule, then you, you, you've made your, your whole school year that much harder. I'm telling you, I mean, it's when you set up a station rotation model, you do a lot of front end classroom management and classroom work, but it pays you back in dividends on the tail end. I mean, yes, it will take you a couple of months, a couple of months to get all the kinks worked out and the kids moving where you're supposed to go and everybody to understand what that schedule is. But from that point forward, your classroom kind of does start to to hit autopilot and things are running themselves and there's a predictability to it and everybody benefits from that. So I love what you said, getting organized, having a really good schedule, building relationships with your students. And I'm gonna add in there because I know this is true for you is building good relationships with your paraeducators and support staff as well. So those are really like, those are four really good tips. <laughs> so now you're getting ready to hit your second year 
and you've already started back with professional development and getting your classroom ready. Are you guys going full online, full in person or hybrid? We're doing hybrid. How is the planning for that going? Do those four tips help you right now? <laughs> no, that's like the worst sigh ever. Oh, yes, yes and no. I, I, I mean, we, it's, it's tough because you've got some students that will come face to face and then you have some students that are, are, are staying home. Now, now with, we have a whole new software interface that we are going to be dealing with so now that learning curve, as well as dealing with putting everything in so the students can learn online and so that they can learn and having everything integrated into one has been um, a interesting time. And, you know, but, but I think as, as a group within your whole sped pod of, of life skills or, or whichever, you know, you're working together and you're, you're creating that 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 camaraderie is that okay well if we're doing this this and this then we can all bind together because all the students are going to have to benefit from it somehow right so might as well work together with your with your colleagues um so we've been working well with that it's just it's definitely a, a curveball to hit because i'll have three kids in my class and i'll have four kids online and it's just you know, like, what am I going to do? Or how are we going to make things work with, with these students and those students? And how is everybody going to rotate? Are we rotating? Are they rotating? Cleanliness. It's, it's a learning curve for everybody. And yeah, it's, wow. It's, it's an interesting start to, to the year, to say the least. Yeah, no kidding. I feel like in the in the professional development bag that you get at the beginning of the year, there should be wine or vodka in there because this is going to be a long one. <laughs> I, I, I will propose that idea. <laughs> yeah, see if you can get that one to get some traction. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> well, so as you're continuing the rest of this school year, what are some of the things that you're kind of planning on implementing that are different from last year outside of this pandemic world? Because, you know, usually when you hit your second year, you're focused more in on the curriculum and making sure that your students are able to really get something beneficial out of all of your lessons. Have you found that you're diving into curriculum more this year or are you still focusing more on the format because of the pandemic? I think I'll be focusing more on format. Um, I am changing gears into the structured learning class. So with I didn't know that. With, with teaching every subject is rather than just two is going to be a whole new box of goodies. Um, so, oh. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, it'll be, I, I think I'll, I'll be focusing more on, on curriculum still than, you know, getting and, and relating, working on related relation, student relationship, I guess. Um, Absolutely. Just because with, with where we're at, you know, they're, they're all new kids to campus. So building that relationship is going to be big for me and our parents. So to answer your question, I would say more curriculum based, trying to figuring things out and getting them sorted. Yeah, I mean, and, and I know that this is not this is not a coaching session, and I'm not supposed to give you any kind of coaching advice but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> 
So it, you're switching into the structure of classroom. Um, and so you are going to do all of the curriculum and be with the same students all day long. Uh, that's a big switch for someone who has been doing secondary classroom instruction where the students change every class period and you're teaching a little more academic type classes. Um, the really important thing to remember here is that everything that worked for you last year will continue to work for you this year. So don't throw everything out and try to start over because you're going to um, make it harder for yourself in the long run. All those station rotations, all of the breakdown of curriculum, all of the pacing of a class, you still want to do all of those things because that will keep you from going absolutely insane. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, like you said before, take the time to build a relationship, not only with the students, but with their parents, because that is also a invaluable resource. No more time than now it hasn't been more evident how important our parents are in getting our students uh, the quality education they deserve. So, wow, this is going to be a really interesting and different year for you. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it'll be. I'm excited. I really am. And I, I took I. I wanted to take the position as, as a new challenge and as a new a, a new endeavor of my teaching career because again you don't know what you're going to like unless you try it you know and 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 I think if, if I'm able to knock this one out then you know we can make things easier for them especially as the freshmen kind of coming in yeah uh, you know so it's it, it'll be a new fun challenge it is kind of the way I look at it and let me tell you one thing for sure. When you win in a self-contained structure type classroom, you really win. Like it warms your whole body and you do like cartwheels down the hallway. So the reward is definitely worth the work that you have to put in to make it successful. So you will be paid in classroom cartwheels and hallway parades. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> and then before we head out, I have a question from a listener. So I'm going to bounce this out to you and see what you think. Alyssa says, my principal gave me a budget for $100 for classroom items this year, and I cannot buy curriculum. It's my first year in an autism classroom. Any recommendations as to what I should get? So what are some of the things you think are essential? Coffee pot. A coffee pot. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I would say some, I would say sensory items. Uh, I'm partial to, to sensory things. Um, that's what my my master's was kind of geared towards and, and the students need something to release, right? So it, whether it's a squishy or if it's a fidget or if it's something, you know, that they can uh, uh, take the token board and, and say, okay, I've earned my, earned my break, take your break in your break time, choose what you want, that's yours. And especially now, what you can do is, is have the, like have them choose, right? So have them choose what they want. You have a spread of whatever. Okay, you want this one? That's going to be your break thing for this whole pandemic deal when they're in class. <laughs> so then, because yeah, they might want different things, so you can have one or two. But have have sensory items on hand so that they can kind of release their tension rather than releasing their frustrations out on you or your para or other students or the floor, whichever. Um, so. I would say coffee pot, sensory items. So the coffee pot for the adults and the sensory items for the students, but not vice versa. Keep that in mind. 
The other thing that you just said was a token board. And I would say that if you, Alyssa, have uh, the ability to print them, buy them, get them made for you, whatever, you're going to want to have token boards on hand. Like those aren't essential. But another thing that I noticed that you had in your classroom that you used a lot were those um, dry erase markers and uh, plastic uh, dry erase sleeves, plastic sleeves to put papers in. Um, so I think that was something that I saw you use a lot and I think would be an essential. Uh, what did you do for classroom timer? Did you have a physical timer or did you? I had I had a yellow timer uh, for the break area, but I also used uh, the classroom screen is a website that you use and then it just brings up and I had I switched the background every day and uh, it's a great tool for timers and you set it for whichever and and the kids they can see it right it's up on the board and, and they can see it and they know when you know when to start moving whether it's you know you've set that routine for okay start moving 30 seconds before or start cleaning up the 30 seconds before um, you know or when you have them boom, timer goes, then they start cleaning up or doing whatever, however you feel. But having a visual timer, um, I use the, the magic erasers rather than just like the felt. So you, if you go buy magic erasers, you know, the Mr. Clean things, they work wonders on your dry erase boards rather than <laughs> smudging and all that stuff too. So That's actually a really good recommendation. So yes, uh, completely. And then uh, classroom screen, I'll put the link in that in show notes as well. I love classroom screen. My kids always liked the one that sounded like the video game ending. That was their favorite um, kind of exit music, but uh, free resource. So that's a great one to just have bookmarked for your classroom and then a timer as well. I think those are, those are pretty good essentials. Um, other than the standard, I teach special ed and need a laminator and lamination sheets and Velcro because you know, you should, that's a standard. You should just know to get that. <laughs> Well, I think those tips will be appreciated. Alyssa, thank you for sending in your question. I appreciate it. And for doing so, I will send you that free resource of your choice. Just drop me an email so I can get that done. So Mr. Steve, we are getting ready to wrap up here. I, I, I really appreciate the four tips that you gave us. Is there any last minute advice or message that you want to send to a new teacher out there who might be listening or watching? Yeah, uh, ultimately just have fun with your job. It's you're there to to provide for the students, and if you are miserable, the students will be miserable, and then it's just a vicious circle. Have fun with it, make them laugh, relate to them, and have a good time with them because this is their release away from home, right? So as long as you get to have fun, they'll look to have fun regardless if they're having a good or bad day. If it's just one period or two periods that they're in your class and they're having a good time, you've made a difference. So go out, have a good time with your students. Yeah, and I think that message is so important right now with it just being such a challenge to be a teacher in this moment that we have to remember the kids and to find the enjoyment wherever that may be inside of our classrooms. And even for kids that are going virtual, the time that they spent plugged into you might be the highlight of their entire day. So have fun, share the love, and you know, still be the happy self that I know that you guys are out there. <laughs> you heard it from Mr. Steve first. <laughs> Well, I really appreciate you being on the show today. I think the tips that we gave and the suggestions that we provided will really be helpful for first year teachers who are just trying to survive and thrive in this kind of crazy world that we are teaching in right now. So thank you for giving me the time. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I really thank you for having me. Um, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Ah, the feeling is mutual. The feeling is mutual. Well, y'all, I'm going to go ahead and head on out of here, but we will catch you in the next video. Remember, teaching special ed is hard. It is so hard, but you can do this. Just remember to stay strong and teach on.